people. Welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. And I'm Justin. And today's show is bound to give you that fix of art and culture you've been yearning for. Chemist has forever changed what it means to be a Philly MC in all the ways, and we can't wait for you to hear how. Also, Alicia Miranda has her finger on all the good eats and drinks of Philly. We will catch up with her too, and all that is new. But first, Justin, what are we talking about? Did you see this article on visitphilly.com about 22 places that the celebrities eat? <laughs> John Travolta eats at JJ. Sky High. Oh, yeah. I didn't know this. Morimoto, Mick Jagger. That's interesting. Adam Sandler, Dan Dan. Oh, it's in Wayne? There's a couple of them. There's one in Center City, too. And I got to shout out Tina Fey because she's on here for Pika's Pizza. It's in Upper Darby. Is it New York style? Is it Chicago style? I have a particular. It's traced, almost grandma style, tray style. Oh, like Sicilian? No, not too thick. Ooh, 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 ooh. Drake goes to a harp and crown. Where is that? I've never been there before. I know you know about that. Sansom Street. Sansom Street. Ooh. Okay. It's a good okay. article. Visit Philly.com. Yeah. I like seeing this kind of stuff. Yeah, this is cool. All right. I mean, I'm shout out to Jessica Alba. I don't believe it. Where's she? Where's she? <laughs> they, say, they say she's eating at Park, but I'm like, Jessica, I no. know you at least know one good Latin restaurant to go to in Philadelphia, girl. If not, we I'm got like, it today. Alicia. Yeah. Let's do it. Earlier in our intro, I mentioned that Musician Chemist has forever redefined what it means to be a Philly MC. And not just because he is the only MC I know that can perform an acoustic set while he raps, sings, and plays a guitar at the same time. Although, that still blows my mind. Okay, so, yes, he reps North Philly area, Logan to be specific. And yes, he did leave, like most MCs at some point. However, he went to college, Hampton University to be specific, took his talents of forming pros and visual arts with him, came back home to graduate from Temple and then started his work with students. Yes, he's a teacher, an academic, and multi-instrumentalist who has released several studio albums and mixtapes, now working with organizations like the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Kimmel Center, bridging gaps between the music and the community. Again, this ain't your average Philly MC. This is Chemist, a legend and a legacy in the making. The most recently I've been watching, I was watching the videos of what you were doing with the Philadelphia Orchestra and just bringing them to amazing spaces and places where they wouldn't ordinarily be. Watch all eyes shift to every door when they open. They hope my blackness fades. Take away where we stay. My back's against the wall They ask us what we're fighting for I'll show you I'll show you Is that the updated version of what is the dope thing that Chemist is doing right now outside of a new album that's also out? Yeah, I, well, I'm also... I teach twice a week through a program that the orchestra does right. at um, Kip West Charter School. So I'm in a classroom with fifth and sixth grade students and we talking about songwriting and poetry and hip hop and expressing ourselves. And so was this the path that you originally thought that you would be taking? I never had a, a plan like for college. I'm saying I was I had to go to college because it was, you know, my mom was like, oh, if you don't go to school, then you got to get out. So, you know, I, I chose to go to school. I went for journalism, for communications, and I had planned on just being a writer. But music always was calling me to do other things. So, no, I didn't see this in my future during that time. How'd you come to love teaching so much? I mean, it's so 
removed from like your actual job. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm from the streets where these children are from. Mm -hmm. So we have a certain level of understanding about each other that I didn't have when I was in school. So to be able to, to communicate and articulate certain things that I wish I had is a blessing. It must have been a moment where you decided I can go this way, but I'm choosing to go over here and come back to the people in the community to help raise me and make me who I am today. I just make honest art. You know, the people receive it, how they receive it and it, it lands where it lands. But, you know, I've always been intentional about it. And, you know, as I grow, the art grows, you know what I'm saying? And the, the stories and, the you know, my experiences have always been a part of the music. So, you know, people are able to, to take the journey with me. When you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? Like, is it music oriented? Is it education oriented? How do you, you sort of compartmentalize your mind and how you do stuff? When I first get up, I practice, go over these guitar scales and figure out, you know, what I have to do on my the checklist that I made the night or the, the week before. So it varies, but it, it always starts off that way. When did the guitar, when did you get introduced to the guitar, chemist? So my guitar journey was later in life. Like the, the music, yeah, like the musicians that I play with, you know, they've been playing their instruments since they was five, six years old. You know what I'm saying? They, they all are amazing and specialists and experts in what they do. And for me, it was tough to find producers that could make the style of music that I wanted. And I was having a hard time articulating and describing the sound that I wanted. So I picked up my instrument when I was 22. Wow. Um, yeah. And I had put some money together. I probably had about two guitar lessons. My teacher, Phil Smith, he gave me some things to practice and to work on. And I still work on them things today. When I had linked up with producer Anwar Marshall, we would be in the studio. He'd bring his musician friends through. And when they would do certain things, I'm asking them like, yo, how you do that? Like, can you slow that down for me? Like, let me see what it is that you're doing. So my studio sessions became guitar lessons also. That's how the journey is going. I need people to understand. Like, I was watching this video of you playing, singing, and emceeing at the same time. And I was yeah. like, Anwar and the rest of them, are they in awe? Because I don't understand how your brain can do to do straw yeah. and still think and sit like I, that is fascinating to me like I, I don't think I knew chemist was a genius or something I don't understand yeah it's, it's definitely taken a while for people to get it and understand it but does any have you ever seen anybody else do it well yeah I mean of course Lauren Hill does it why cleft okay. yes. does it why cleft does it um, awesome even, yes, even in the 1930s it's this blues and jazz guitarist by the name of Robert Johnson who was singing and rapping and playing the guitar so y'all should definitely check them out but one of the, the greatest things that Anwar taught me was that when you're doing more than one thing at once, practice one thing at a time. So, you know, I spend a lot of time just playing the guitar to a metronome, you know, to make sure my timing is right. And then I spend a lot of time going over the notes that I'm singing or, you know, the lyrics that I'm about to rap. And then I spend time doing both. OK, I just had to let that sit in for a second. I, know, I, I just, just can't <laughs> imagine having my hands do two different things. It's just a lot yeah. for your brain to process. It's amazing that you were able to figure it out. We build pyramids. We build some of the, the greatest structures to ever exist on the face of this earth. So, you know, our brain is, is more than capable than 
than doing a lot of the things that we say we wish we could do. It's just about right. taking We don't know time how to of, tap into that. Yeah, so. you got to take yes. the time and put in the effort to do it. And, you know, after a certain point is muscle memory. Even when I'm teaching my kids a lesson, it's like when you're going over your verse that you're about to rap or perform, I need you to be able to solve these math equations while still saying your verse and not even think about the words. It's just to the point where it's automatic. I've been training my brain to be able to to do the type of performance that I've always wanted to do. So what I hear is put in the hard work and one thing at a time. Yeah. One major focus at a time. For sure. Have you ever felt, and I know at some point any human would, as an artist, did you ever felt underappreciated? And how did you get through that and recognize a greater purpose that you have? Yeah, I still feel underappreciated. I have my moments where, you know, I'm uh, okay. The moments of feeling unappreciated still circle back around, but it's just about tuning into the people who do care and who are listening Mm -hmm. and being able to constantly find something to study and practice so that you don't feel stagnant. There's a lot of things I want to do musically that I'm not great at doing, but I will be because I know what I want and I know how to practice it to arrive at that level of skill. Can you tell us one of those things you feel like sharing? I'm just curious what you would... Well, it's a a certain... You know, it's a certain style of guitar playing that I would like to play while I'm rapping. You know what I'm saying at certain speeds and, and different tempos and switching time signatures and doing all of that effortlessly because now that I've never seen done before. I know you say you go back and forth with the unappreciated stuff, but I also look at like I was just reminding myself of your last album and stuff. And I was looking at some of the folks that are on it, like, you know, Jazzy Jeff and the Bilal and the yeah. folks like that. Is there some type of I don't want to say satisfaction, but comfort in knowing that you're in a way an artist artist? You know, greatness recognizes Greatness, Jazzy Jeff, Bilal, and, you know, the other people involved with the album. And, you know, their character is a blessing because sometimes great artists are haters. You know what I'm saying? And they mm-hmm. they hold a lot of fear and they behave in such a way where they may not want to promote other artists. But the artists that I do work with, I'm blessed to work with because they believe and they invest and they put forth the effort to spread the word and collaborate and be a part of it. What's on your list to still do? How would you like to take it to the next level? On my list of things to do is a lot more photography and videography. Like do events and create experiences where I can combine the music and the visual art in one space and have it organized to create a cool experience where people can leave with something that they didn't know that they needed. Experiences are what people crave now. Yeah, with technology, you know, Technology has taken so much away from the human experience and a lot of our behavior and actions is just dictated by algorithms and robots and equations that we fail to realize and see. Yeah. I just finished a six month residency at a city winery called The Writer's Room. It was sponsored by Harry's Bookshop and Taylor Guitars. And we did two seasons. It was a successful series where musicians, poets, and authors came together in one room to share their art and allow the audience to hear about their process of writing and creating. So I was able to bring in some of my favorite thinkers and musicians and writers and have them explain and express to the crowd what it is that they do. And people got a chance to see how I consume art and what it is that makes me like the different worlds that help make chemists. So not only was it a good experience for the audience, it was also a great experience for me. Bring it back. It sounds like you already have a great boilerplate for it. 
And there's obviously like an audience for it. Yeah, people showed up and people showed up consistently. So that's a blessing that they are willing to receive what it is that we're willing to offer. We named this show Love and Great. And we haven't asked this question in a long time, but I am so interested in your answer. When it comes to Philly, what do you think is the relationship between those two words? This is a city that protects the people and things that it loves. That protection requires an unyielding courage. Right. And, and for me to make the type of art that I make for the purpose and the people that it's for, one has to love self so that one can love people. And that love has to be unconditional with an unyielding courage in order for the art to continue. Hi, I'm Samantha Smith. And check me out on the Love and Grit podcast because I am Philly. joking when I said that Alicia Miranda has her finger on the pulse of all the good food and drink in Philly. All I have to do is list the places where you can find her opinions. And if you like food like we do, well, you already know. You can find Alicia's opinions in places like Eater Philly, The Inquirer, Edible Philly, Thrillist, Philadelphia Magazine, and Resi. Literally, our go-to, where do we go tonight spots. What's even cooler is Alicia's event series that she started last year called Latinx Industry Night, where she highlights all the taste goods in the Latin community. Can't wait to see what she's got cooked up for Latin Heritage Month or actually what we should be eating and drinking. We love lists of places to eat. I'm here to serve. I'm here to help. How do you find your stories? Where do you go to dig to find? I'm very selfish. So the stories that I pitch and that you see published start with a question that I have myself. So for example, two summers ago for the Inquirer, I published a Hispanic food guide. And that was a question that I had for me moving to Philadelphia now eight years ago, asking, where are all my people? I'm Puerto Rican. And I was like, I heard they're in the Northeast. Well, in the North. Else. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So when you found this street, you must have been like, whoa, wait a yes. minute. Let me ask this question, because Justin never thinks to ask this because he's from Philadelphia. But I just have <laughs> to ask you this. What brought you to this, this city? And did you know about all of the, the jewels of food goodness that we had here before you came? Well, I went to school in Rider University. So okay. that's like, I call that South Central Jersey. Come to me at the comments. We'll discuss that. But that's like 45 minutes away from Philly. So when I went to college, it was like, go to Philly or go to New York, right? Those were like the two big cities that people ventured off to. And so I'm from upstate New York. So I had, you know, done my fair adventures into New York City. And so I had never really explored Philadelphia. So as soon as I got to college, I was in Philly as much as possible. By the time I moved here, I was really well acquainted with the food. I moved here, top five reasons for Wawa, I'm not going to lie. You know, I lived off Wawa in college. And so when I decided to move here, I knew that the food was great. And I think it's only gotten better, more fantastic, more diverse, more exciting ever since, especially I would say in the last two years. Yeah. I'm curious when you finally found your people, then you must have stumbled upon a lot of other of your folks from other countries as well. Like, can you talk about that, too? And as far as the Latin community and Philadelphia specifically? Yeah. So when I did that inquiry guide for Hispanic food businesses and places that people go shopping for Hispanic and Latino ingredients, I was 
overwhelmed at how many sources and subjects I came across. If you talk to one Hispanic person, they're going to direct you to 15 other people. So I talked to dozens and dozens of people and through my research found that while Philadelphia has a very large Mexican and Mexican-American population, the fastest growing right behind that is Caribbean and South American populations. So I wanted to lean into that diaspora so that they could feel represented. And also, you know, there's a lot of upstarts of food businesses that not all of them are South Philly barbacoa that deserve their attention Mm. and the recognition. And so I wanted to make sure that I could cast a wide net and also focus in on the growing populations that we have here. And I'm I'm curious because I know you're kind of famous for singing the unsung. How do you stay on top of things in that way? Because it's easy to know the next new popping spaces, but like, how do you continue to be on the pulse of what's unsung in the Latin community? One thing for Hispanic and Latino communities, specifically within food, a lot of these food businesses do not have a PR company, right? So I'm not getting press releases about, say, like I just went to Arepa Greb spot in the Italian market. They don't have a PR team, right? So Mm. it's really me being on the ground, on foot all the time. So I am someone who walks this city day in and day out because I love it. I also talk to people and I pop into places that I've never heard of before or catch my eye. So it's a lot of just like DIY groundwork in that way. And so that's how I will find out about places or just from writing my pieces. Every time I talk to someone, they will direct me to someone else that I should talk to. My list of sources just keeps growing and growing. And I can basically email or text someone at any point and say, you know, I'm looking for XYZ for a story. Can you point me in the right direction? And I'm lucky to say that I have plenty of options. What are the places where you would tell somebody who is coming into town for a weekend that they have to hit? Off the beaten path, hidden gems. Ooh, well, definitely seeing Fifth Street, I would say the North Square neighborhood project, those gardens up there in Kensington. When I first went there, I think it was last summer for the first time. To me, it felt like I was walking back in Puerto Rico where I grew up. Like that's how incredibly nostalgic and traditional and just so not you know, it's the city of Philadelphia. How do we have like these amazing gardens that are cultivated by the community for the community? So I would say take a little road trip, take SEPTA, go up there, see those gardens in person and talk to the people who are taking care of that land. For me, North Square Neighborhood Project, those gardens are an act of resistance. It's a juxtaposition to see these gardens that are cultivated by the Puerto Rican community here in Philadelphia against, let's just be real, gentrified little condos and new construction. Expensive And expensive, too. right? So you have like a million dollar new construction next to a community garden and casitas that have been there since the 50s. That's what I would say. Go up there, go spend some time in Kensington, get some good Puerto Rican food. That would be like my top recommendation right now. Okay, so, so give us like actual names of spots though. Because yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking, let me re-ask your question in a way, Justin, because Alicia, you are the one that knows all the things. So if I said to you, all right, so where's the perfect place to get the best Argentinian steak? Where would I go? I would recommend Malbec. It's in Headhouse Square. Okay. So then I would be like, where do I go get the best Brazilian Capadinha? Ooh, the Franklin Mortgage, that bar has cachaça. So please get a Capadinha there. That is my go-to drink there. Okay. Because that's my favorite drink in the whole world. Okay. (laughs) Then I will go. Okay. So where would I find the best papusa? 
Ooh, Papu says, I actually get them from the Mexican grocer. I get them frozen so I get a whole pack so that I can have them for lunch. So go into any Mexican grocer or Hispanic grocer. Or What's your favorite market. grocer? Well, my go-to is on Snyder between 10th and 11th. Okay, another question. When you curate your Latinx series, Industry Night, Industry, yes. industry night mm-hmm. how do you curate it? Do you curate it by countries? Do you curate it by the individual people? Like, how do you bring the folks together? So usually my process is either I find the bartenders first, like the guest featured bartenders, and either based off their ethnicities and their backgrounds, I try and find a restaurant or bar that also specifies in that food and drink, or I have the venue in mind first, or I partner with the venue first, and then I'll try and find bartenders to fit that ethnicity profile as well. For example, our next one on Monday, October 2nd is at Bolo, which is on Sansom Street. Bolo is helmed by a chef who's from Puerto Rico, and he primarily does Puerto Rican and South American food. I knew that I wanted to have Puerto Rican slash Caribbean and South American bartenders. And so we have a lineup that is basically Puerto Ricans and Colombians. What kind of food do you like to have there? Since I'm Puerto Rican, I will always order all the Puerto Rican snacks there. I think he does an amazing rendition of chicharron, which is our fried chicken that's basically fried in pork lard. So it's extra, extra crunchy. Tons and tons of garlic on everything. The fried plantains or tostones are my favorites. I also really love when he does the entrees, like the big stews that are very traditional and very family recipe oriented, but he makes them a grander kind of experience for the whole table. And they change all the time. If you follow Chef from Bolo on Instagram, you can always see what he's cooking up next. So the specials are always rotating. I think I just went there. Where is that? 2025 Samsung Street. I was just there. What'd you get? What'd you get? What'd you get? A lot. (laughs) The octopus was really good. He has good ceviches too. Like the The ceviches ceviches were amazing. Like you could get a trio of ceviches. Mm. Oh, the salmon ceviche was one of the Mm. best ceviches I've ever Mm -hmm. had. Did you have a drink? Did you have a drink? I had a pina colada. And it was like- Pina coladas are fire. It was a boozy pina colada. (laughs) Like it didn't taste like one of those mixed ones. (laughs) On the back of the pina colada, okay, Alicia, daiquiri. Who has the best real, authentic daiquiri? Rand's Dead Room by Nico Diaz, who's Cuban. Of course, I love that. Okay, so that was my last question. I was going to say Cuban food. Do you have a spot? Home Cuban Cafe in Old City. Home Cuban Cafe. It's family owned. H-O-M-E? H-O-M-E. And they're open pretty much to like 3 or 4 p.m. every day. You know, you don't have to rush to get your lunch. You can take your time and go in the afternoon, get a cafecito. Oh, my gosh. Well, I cannot wait to tell my godmother Cuban sandwiches. They do excellent Cuban sandwiches. I personally love because they're open all day. I'm someone who likes to have eggs at any time of the day. So I like to pop in at 2 and still get a breakfast sandwich. And they have the real deal Cuban bread what we call a plastao. They put it in the plancha and it gets real thin, real crispy. Yeah, home Cuban cafe. I've never heard of half these places. It's great to have new (laughs) places on the list. It must be a passion project. I mean, for me, I take my role as a reporter, as a journalist very seriously. So I am very lucky that because I am freelance, I 
I'm the one who is choosing the stories that I pursue and choosing the places that I want to write about. You know, I'm not forced to just respond to every press release or pitch that I get in my inbox. So for me, it is about reaching out to those who are maybe underrepresented. You know, a lot of businesses that may not have the digital skill sets to keep up with Instagram and social and have a website and this and that. And so they do really rely on word of mouth. They rely on the regulars to spread the recommendation. And also it's writing about food. I mean, honestly, it's the best job in the world. (laughs) There's definitely been a deeper look inside the restaurant world in Philadelphia. And it's brought so much good to light. Yeah. And it also like gets people out of center city to different neighborhoods. I mean, that's what's sort of this fun part is to like hear about this Cuban place in old. I mean, do you know how many times people are asking for something to eat in old city and I send them to Campos because it's probably the only place (laughs) open, but like great to know about this, you know, like that's why it's so important to people to have some sort of presence. And that's why it's great you're doing what you're doing. One of the chefs from the Ramsdale room you featured in the first article right that inspired the whole Latinx industry night. Yeah. So the two bartenders from Ranstead Room that were in my Eater Philly article are Nico right. Diaz. So he's right. Cuban American. And then Rito Munievis, who's Mexican American. Two guys behind the bar manning that bar. Ranstead is an excellent place. It's a true speakeasy. And they really dial into Caribbean drinks. The bartenders that are there really get their freedom to make drinks that represent who they are. So whether they are Hispanic, whether they're of a different race or a different ethnicity, they get to come up with really fun drinks. And that daiquiri that Nico makes is unbeatable. Shout out Thank to you, Alicia. I don't think most of us who eat and drink even think about our bartenders making things in their own passion and in their from their culture. Yeah, that's a good. It's fun. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. part of the experience. Yeah, yeah. Is to like try a cocktail that I'd never try. What's your yeah. go to Mexican? I am. OK, so this is. It's tough because I'm in South Philly, so I got to watch what I say. And that's yeah. what I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can have top three, maybe, or mention just a couple that okay, like, I'll, we I'll don't do know like, the name of. I'll do top three. So okay. um, I love El Chingon over here on, I believe it's Tasker and 10th. I'm a big fan of places that are just open all day, which we desperately need more places of. So El Chingon is another one that, you know, at three o'clock, I can get a late lunch, get a Samita. They're excellent. I have to have to shout out. I just went to Plaza Garibaldi in the Italian market and just had amazing mole enchiladas. So I'm going to shout out them. They're on like Washington between 9th and 10th. And then it's tough because I live in South Philly. So... Yeah, Mexican food is so interesting because it's also very diverse. So yes, there's right, different right, regions right, yeah. of Mexican food. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. so for let's say a, a non-Puebla oriented Mexican okay. restaurant, I have to shout out Mission Taqueria with Chef Alejandro Sanchez, who just came on board a few months ago. He is really changing the game to say, okay, Philly, I know we have a lot of Mexican people here, but we're not all the same. We don't all cook right. the same. His menu remix, if you will, at Mission Taqueria has been to infiltrate and kind of bring a little bit of his history growing up on the border of Texas and Mexico. Oh, um, so it's kind of Tex-Mex-ish? It's not Tex-Mex. It's just that he's bringing some Is that familiar- an American term? <laughs> yeah, the way she said <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. So what, what you could have just been like, it's a white person term. It's okay. That's, That's why I said it. I'm just saying, like, there are some Texas things about it, but it's not Tex-Mex food. No, I get Listen, that's why I'm asking. <laughs> Though we I all got to learn. We're learning, yeah, because I didn't know it was Actually, bad. if someone opened up Tex-Mex, so sure, I'd be the first person there. But that's not what he, he makes. It's more street style, but it's blending a lot of his background growing up between Texas, Mexico, and then now in Philadelphia. So, mm, like, he just did an amazing series where he partnered up with different restaurants around town to make one week only menus. So, like, he and Chef Nook from Kalea just did one that was like pretty much all seafood, which was really exciting. He's really doing something different. And Mission Taqueria has always been a fun place, especially in Center City. But I think what he is bringing to the table is quite unique. So I have to give Mission Taqueria the the third spot. You've given us a lot of work. A lot. Yeah, you got to report back. All right, make sure you get out there during Hispanic Heritage Month and try out some of these great places to eat. Laia, you got your list. Get to work. I'm going to get me a cappadinha, honey. Y'all, if y'all ain't had a Brazilian cappadinha, you have not lived, but don't drink too many or you won't remember how you lived. Okay, bye, y'all. 